Good evening, everyone. My friends, our first reading of uh, the people are coming back. They're entering into the promised land. They had been away. Uh, they had been in exile. And when they got back, uh, it didn't look like the way they left it. It was in ruins. They were disheartened by it. And here the prophet is speaking to them. And he's really telling them, stop chasing after nonsense. Stop spinning all everything you have on silliness. Seek that which is spiritual. And uh, the, because it was so desolate, uh, it, it almost it kind of set it up for them to do this. And um, the banquet that is referred to by the prophet is the very banquet of your relationship with God is what it means. St. Paul, um, uh, this is an amazing reading for St. Paul because St. Paul says no matter what is going on, and he's not talking about birthdays and barbecues and stuff like that. He's saying nothing will separate you. He's talking about if he was standing here today, he would say this nonsense with uh, the governments and their silliness with each other and their bickering and acting like children, the pandemic, this will not separate you from the love of God. Draw close to him. And if it was anybody else but St. Paul, we might just... Uh, but remember, St. Paul took a beating everywhere he went. And if you look at what he did, he almost does like a backward crescent. He goes to all these towns. They beat him up and throw him out, beat him up, throw him out, beat him up, throw him out, beat him up but because they don't like what he's saying. They don't like to hear. And then what does he do? He goes right back. <laughs> I don't think I could do it. <laughs> so he's saying, look, nothing will separate you. And if it was anybody else but him, really. He knew, he walked the walk. He knew what he was talking about. My friends, um, a couple of years ago on Easter Sunday, I gave a homily uh, that concluded uh, with a, and I told the people, 500 people witnessed in a single day the Jesus resurrected, the Christ. And uh, that was a lot of people. Uh, so today... Something equally amazing. Now, there's, the resurrection is, there's nothing to it, you know, to that. Nothing equivalent. But there was 500 people, and I don't, people realize, there was 500 people who saw Jesus. It wasn't just the 12 anymore. It was 500. But today we're told 5,000 men, not including men and women. So that, there we go. There's another 5,000. 10,000 people? That's amazing. They were with Jesus on this evening in the gospel when he did the miracle of the fish and the loaves. It, and it's a very important miracle because whenever all four of the gospel writers record it and speak of it, it means it has extreme importance for us. And my friends, the, uh, the account uh, is scripturally significant as it looks both backward into history and forward, if you will, in that moment. Matthew is trying to show that Jesus supersedes all the Old Testament people, even Moses. Remember, up until that point, the greatest of all of them at the time was Moses. He was the giver of the law. He saw God. He gave him a bunch of other laws, too, but he was one of the greatest leaders for them. Before Moses died, 
he asked God to send a new leader for the people so that they would not be like sheep without a shepherd. And Jesus uses that phrase. It comes from Numbers 27, 16. Moses, uh, do you know uh, in that moment in Numbers, do you know who it was who was the chosen person who was going to replace Moses? No. Ah, oh, a glorious Saturday evening it is. Thank you. Someone's been reading their Bibles? <laughs> Joshua. When Jesus sees the people, he, we're told he pities them. And in the other Gospels, they record that he says, for they were like sheep without a shepherd. See, the people, they know Moses is the greatest teacher, the leader. So they would remember and recall what was said before Joshua was put into control. So this is significant for them because they would say, oh, He's making reference back to when Moses. The miracle takes place also, most of you don't know this, but it, the miracle of, in the gospel today takes place to the Jewish Passover, very close to it, which recounts what God did through Moses. Moses freed the people from slavery and fed them with manna in the desert. Jesus, we are told, freed them from sickness. We told... He cured them from their sickness and infirmities, and then he fed, he fed them with fresh bread and fish. It implies that Jesus is more powerful than Moses. Matthew also thinks that this miracle of the loaves and fish, um, he links it to the death of John the baptizer. And people miss that. We're told that Jesus has just heard that his cousin has been murdered. He's mourning. Anyone who has lost a loved one or a family member, you will be able to relate to this, but we skip it. When we're told Jesus hears, he goes to be by himself, he gets in a boat. Jesus is in mourning right now for his family member. But Matthew links this together for us. He does this by contrasting the miracle which Jesus feeds the 5,000 to the banquet at which Herod orders the execution of his family member. Herod has a banquet. It's his party. And him and his court are having a great time, and they don't even care about anyone else, let alone human life, because they take the very life of John the Baptist unjustly. And he does so on the whim of a woman who forces a daughter, go and tell him what you, this is what I want. Here on this grassy hill knoll, Jesus shows himself to be a compassionate leader where Herod showed himself to be a disgusting one. The miracle of the loaves and fish at this banquet, Jesus shows the compassion that he has. And he acts in the needs of others where Herod did not. He was just being selfish himself. And Jesus commands his apostles to address the needs of the people. Did you catch that part? Jesus takes the bread, says the blessing, and then he gives it to the apostles and tells them, feed them. 
the leftovers that fill the 12 wicker baskets, it easily demonstrates the abundance of Christ's compassion for the people, as much as it demonstrates an Old Testament uh, undertone of the 12 tribes of Israel. As for how this miracle looks into the future, this miracle for us Catholics and for the Eastern Church is the clear prefiguration of the Holy Eucharist. Kai, Holy Eucharist. He's going to make his first Eucharist this evening. Amen, hallelujah. We see from uh, the marked similarity of the words used in this miracle to the words used at the institution of the Eucharist, not only when, I, uh, when it's done here, but at the Last Supper, Matthew 26, 26. In all the accounts, the same verbs and sequencing is used by our Lord. He took bread, blessed it, gave thanks, broke it, and gave it to his disciples. The multiplication of the loaves and fish was intended to help people accept the gift of the Eucharist, which was going to be so difficult that they left him. Do you remember Peter's famous words? When Jesus says, do you want to leave me too? And Peter says, where am I going to go? <laughs> Only you have the truth. So what Jesus is doing is trying to get the people ready for the gift that is to come of the Eucharist. The miracle sh should, one would hope, assist the people who had seen him miraculously multiply, multiply bread physically. And the many more who later heard of it, because you know those people ran around telling everybody, you know what that, you know what a rabbi did? You know, people, they can't wait. He can't get fast enough today. You can't get on social media fast enough to tell <laughs> folks. It was the hope that people would more easily accept his word when he promised them bread that would help them to live spiritually forever. The miracle was intended to show that if Jesus could multiply bread physically in a way that no mere human person could, then he could also change bread spiritually to feed the believer with his very sacred life. The miracle of the loaves and fish has such wondrous Old Testament meanings and rich Eucharistic connotations for us. But as with always with Jesus and with sacred scriptures, this account has practical things about it. First, Jesus obviously intended his disciples be active in reaching out to help others when he tells them, here, give them to eat. They were not to ignore the real needs of others. Rather, they were to become the hands of God, giving to others. I am confident that if the disciples had had enough faith in that moment, the power of Christ would have entered them and they would have been able to feed the people. But Jesus intervened. We know this because Jesus says another time, remember when he's in Nazareth? He could do nothing or did very little because there was such lack of faith. The disciples questioned Jesus, sent him away. 
Let them go buy their own stuff. Jesus says, you feed them. You. You can just picture them. Bring me the bread. Twelve huge jars of bread left over. Jesus made good use of whatever was available. From five loaves and two fish, he was able to feed over 5,000 people. Perhaps if we, the church and faith, always place ourselves and our resources and our talents at our Lord's use, he too can work miracles of all sorts through each one of us. But when one thinks about it, most people who convert to Christianity do so not because of some miracle, but because they have witnessed the very love of a Christian who says that they are a believer. I challenge all of you to ask someone their conversion story. And it's not going to be only a small percentage will say, well, I went to Lord's. No, they're going to say, you know, I met a Christian who showed me what it was that Jesus is. In the face of selfishness and hunger of all types and hatred and mean-spiritedness and prejudices of all sorts, in our time, let us have the compassion and love that our Lord exampled and gave to others. That is what he wants for each one of you to do. And in doing so, you will receive from him. Amen.